Bonjour, this is Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. We're in our summer series, and I'm your host, Andrew Pryor. Enchanté. Fabulously Delicious is the podcast that brings you, the wonderful and fabulous people, involved in French food, whether they're here in France like me or around the world. Each week, we dive into a specific topic, be it a French dish, an ingredient, or a French cuisine cooking technique, and we learn about it from a special guest who's an expert or just a lover of that topic. My guests are all about food. Either they cook it, they produce it, talk right, or photograph it. But above all, they love it. This week, it's all about those little-known dishes that are regional specialties. Elise Pativo was born in France, and in particular, she grew up in my area, the Charente region. And Elise tells us all about a wonderful cake called the Galette Charentaise, which has a very special ingredient. Then, in the second half, we revisit the episode that made my day when recording it, as I love it when I find out something new. And who knew that the French had their own flatbread, the fouet? Who'd have thought? So, sit back, grab a glass of wine water, coffee, or if you're listening whilst travelling on your way to work, then turn up the volume as you're in for a delicious episode of Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. This is episode three of our summer of 2022. And bon app and enjoy the Galette Charentaise with Elise Potivo. Elise Potivo, thank you for joining us on Fabulously Delicious today. I'm very happy to join you, Andrew. It's a pleasure to, to share our passion together here. So I'm very happy about it. At least today I'm intrigued by our topic uh, <laughs> to discuss, the a Galette a Charentaise. 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 So what is a Galette Charentaise? So it's a, it's a cake. It's a biscuit. It's a cake that traditionally is, so it's round and it measures, I think, 25 centimeters. It's a very simple recipe, but it's very, very local. Um, you can find the Galette Charentaise almost only in Charente or in the West Coast around Charente. Um, it's, so I'll come to the recipe uh, if you want at some point, but I think what is interesting is for me what it means first. Um, my family is from the West Coast. I'm born in Nantes and Charente is really south. It's, it's more south. It's between, uh, it's close to Bordeaux in, inside between Bordeaux and Nantes, La Rochelle, Rochefort, Rochefort-sur-Mer and Niort. Saint Cognac, you know, uh, north of Cognac. So in inside, in the land, not on the on the shore. Um, so, but you can uh, Rochefort-sur-Mer and La Rochelle are on the shore. La Galette Charentaise, so is really from this region, and I'll come to why in a, in a moment. But for me, my grandmother uh, from uh, my mom's side um, was from that region. So uh, it's also for me a um, uh, childhood memory, and I grew up uh, until my grandmother died. With she was making and she was baking galette charentaise, and the recipe very much. You have variations. There is a basis, but it's really a, a, a generation to generation recipe. It has a special ingredient. Uh, it has uh, yes. What is this uh, special ingredient? Angelique. It's a herb. It's the it's the an herb um, uh, called Angelica, uh, I think in English. Um, so so you have to to know that, and that's the ingredient that made that this 
biscuit was actually in the 19th century it was um, done created in the 19th century was only served for special occasion, occasions uh, weddings and baptisms the west coast is very religious um so um angelique is is really from the the Niort, the city of Niort is really a specialty and that grows here because you need a lot of humidity and you have marshes and and so it, it, it was growing up there and also you have that in the north it's a protected herb in the pas de calais in the northern part of france and initially i think it came from the nordic countries and it was it was used for medicinal purposes. Is that Absolutely. right? Absolutely, it's called herbs of the angels or herb of the Holy Spirit because it was in 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 the Middle Age. It was used against the plague. Uh, yes, and there is a lot of beliefs that it could uh, cure the people who were charmed. Um, so you have all those uh, things around Angelica. Who's a person that was charmed? What, and, and why do you need to be cured if you were charmed? It's not charmed. I think it's, uh, you know, like like voodoo kind, you know, all oh. the negative powers. Oh, uh, possessed. Possessed, yes, ah, exactly. There we go. Although I would say there's a lot of people out there in the world that might have been possessed that said that they were charmed. Um, so that's okay. <laughs> So the the herb is dry. It's it's candied. You don't put the herbs like fresh. It's candied, and and today uh, I'm saying that because you can find Angelique uh, in the shops sometimes. But it's not fake. You need to be careful because it's a watermelon that is dried and colored, and that's not the proper one. The proper one is really Angelique from Niort, um, uh that is is uh, is cultivated since 18th century there. Um, so. Yeah. So you touched on this before. Is it uh, so? Is it a religious cake then? Is it something that's only reserved, served on certain holidays, no. or is it available all year round? No, no, no. Now, now it's it's really uh, popular. Every every family, I would say, everyone in Charente Maritime and Charente knows how to make and to bake a, um, a, um, a galette. And galette is actually a tradition on the West France or Brittany. You can find galette. It's different. Different type, yeah, but uh, so. Yes, because you have the galette de roi, which is the uh, cake served around New Year. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, la galette des rois. The galette, galette de roi. des rois. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, my, my French pronunciation. Galette des rois. So, no, initially, because the Angelica, the herbs, was expensive because to, to grow. That was uh, an expensive cake, and you serve that only for occasions, weddings, baptisms, religious occasions. Usually, are you know important times. Now you can you can do that, and there are variations. Not everybody would put Angelica. You can put now people put some different things like candied fruits, for instance. You can instead of or even chocolate, uh, you know, um, uh, how do you call that? Uh, chunks. Um, uh, uh, but the basis, so, so the real galette, Charentaise, I'm going to give you the recipe if you want. Um. That would be fabulous. Thank you. Yes, I'm sure we would love that. You're listening to Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. If you're enjoying this episode, then please share it around with your friends and colleagues and family. French food is wonderful, but so is these chats with lovers of French food. And can they can be enjoyed by any foodie, no matter what their preference for cuisine is. So, 
subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a review, a five-star one, that would be great. And remember, share me around with your friends. We love to be shared around. So uh, it's it's simple in itself. You need um, 120 grams of butter. And you have to know that butter from the Charente, the Charente is known also for the flour and the butter. They had a lot of milk. So that's why also you could make the cake easily. So butter from Charente, salted, salted butter, is the is the the my family trick we use only uh, uh, salted butter um, 150 grams of flour uh, uh, 110 grams of sugar uh, a third of baking power powder you know we've got packs little packs so I don't know how to translate that one uh, vanilla sugar uh, flavored with vanilla one uh, a bit of uh, uh, salt flour, a uh, pinch, and uh, one egg, one yellow of the egg. Okay, yes, additionally, and a, uh, yolk, yep. And, and a spoon of milk, and then 50 grams of angelica or dried fruits or whatever. What you do is uh, you mix the sugar and the melted, not melted butter, but the soft butter, yeah, softened butter, uh, then with the egg including the yellow, right? And and you you really uh, put then the flour and then the baking powder. And you what is important, you don't do this with the machine. You use your hands. And and, and that there is a uh, movement we use traditionally. I'm giving you the, the traditional recipe, the generation one. And once you have done all that with the back of your um, fingers, um, you then uh, put that in a, in a, in a baking, uh, uh, like for a tart, like for a pie, yeah, yeah uh, that you have buttered, yes, that you have buttered before, and you put it like it needs to be 25 centimeters, more or less, you know, it's round. Then you use the um, the milk to uh, leg to on the top so that it's going to be yes to make it glaze, and then you do stripes with a fork huh? that are but not on all of it uh, like uh, on on like a square yeah yes okay and then you put in the oven that you have preheated at so you have variations and it depends on the oven so it's between 180 and 230 degrees so you know go in the middle 200 depending on the oven you have to try in a in a ventilated oven for 10 minutes it needs very be careful it's very quick be careful not to cook it too much because then it it's very dried and very very dry, you know. And you can you can keep it for weeks in a in a in a closed box. Then uh, if you don't eat it uh, right away. You mentioned before that you have a family history of uh, the Galetcherantes uh, for you that your grandmother would make this, but apparently there is some confusion over to who founded the cake. That there are two families that fought yeah, absolutely. over absolutely. As to who was the uh, ones that uh, who made the I, it's not even decided yet. So you had uh, Burley, and and the other one is uh, Arnoux, and this is a very long name. So I'm going to skip that for for you. And indeed, uh, um, these were bakers, uh, and and there was a specific name in the 19th century when it was created. It's uh, 
Talamonier, I think, in French. Even in French, I'm not sure. Even the French probably don't know the name. Of, um, and, and yes, and it's still not decided who has created it. I remember that my granddaddy, when we used to, uh, he was uh, going to buy it, was definitely going to the Burley family. For him, it was it was the one he was, but he, he didn't refer it as either the best or uh, or the one who created it. It was traditionally for him one of the best you could eat. It uh, it still exists, the Burley. There's so many wonderful patisseries in France. How do you decide to make the cake at home or buy one for the patisserie? Skills. <laughs> it depends. It depends. It depends. Um, uh, one is skills because you can't make any pastry, uh, patisserie at home, I would say. Uh, time. Um, time. Um, uh, Occasions, I would say, um, how you want to please as well. I cook, for instance, lemon lemon pie. But it is amazing that there is such a, a a tradition still of making cakes at home when you do have so many wonderful patisseries to go and yes. buy things. You know that 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 hasn't been yes, lost. but past, I mean the the quality of the pastries. So you have different than uh, qualities and 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 uh, prices as well. You have um, pastry chefs that are. Uh, very creative, and if you want on a special occasions for a birthday, for Christmas, no, Christmas is different, but for a birthday, for for celebrations, you you would go to a, pa- a patisserie because they have the art, the savoir-faire, uh, uh, and and everyone has their favorite shop. So you would decide uh, what you want to do. For instance, my mom for seventies birthday, she she's a big fan of shoe. Uh, shoe à la crème, yeah, pastry shoe, and and I got uh, got a pièce montée, which is traditionally what you get for weddings, uh, with pra- yes, with praliné. But we did we did that with uh, um, um, lemon coffee flavor and uh, toffee flavor uh, made. Yes, so. So when you can't do, I mean, for for the volume. So when you want something special for a celebration, you can you can go for for um, to a shop, or even sometimes just for a pleasure moment. Sometimes I go. I, I have a very famous uh, known chef, not famous, but well, he is because he's he's on TV a lot, uh, close to my home. So sometimes you know, I just want to. Say, mm, I would really have a piece of this. Uh, chocolate cake I like so much from him so (laughs) (laughs) yes it's hard to walk past some of your favorite places Uh, for me when I was living in uh, Rue Montegoy or just around the corner from Rue Montegoy in the second it was the uh, Stoher there and their with their chocolate yes and you know they created they they created the Baba Orum they are they invented the Baba Orum so you still have the original recipe in the just before the revolution, 1765, I think it is. Yes, that's pastry chef from the king. If I am coming to France from around the world, where's the best place to go to have my first galette uh, charentaise? Uh, in a, in a, I think in in Pays de Saintonge, close to Niort, um, in in uh, Sainte Sainte. Uh, it's uh, like sense, I would say, but anywhere in Charente you can find very good galette. But I think in 
uh, in Saint and Niort around that area is really where you can have uh, the, the, the most original traditional experience. But otherwise, it's at my family. <laughs> yes, okay. Well, we'll have to get in contact uh, sure. with you to come and join you there. Yes. Since being part of MasterChef Australia in 2013, I've been doing food tours and cooking classes with thousands of fabulous people. It's fantastic to be able to show people delicious food and the people that make it. That's why I'm super excited to announce new tours and classes here in France, the first for me since COVID started. 2023 is your chance to come visit me here in Montmorillon and participate in cooking experiences, highlighting the regional produce of this area and some of the wonderful dishes and ingredients discussed on Fabulously Delicious. I'm also doing a small group tour to Lyon in September 2023 and then another fabulous Côte d'Azur tour in 2024. So check out my website via the link in the show notes or go to andrewpriorfabulously.com. For more information and register your interest now, I can't wait to cook with you and also in the future collaborate with some of the wonderful guests on Fabulously Delicious that you'll be able to come join me to cook with them as well. So stay tuned, merci beaucoup, and let's get back to more Fabulously Delicious and the fouet with Vince Cucci. Bon app. Vince Cucci, Vince, welcome to Fabulously Delicious. Thank you, Andrew. It's really a pleasure to be here. What is a fouet? A fouet is a small bread-like, a fouet is a small bread-like bread cooked in uh, in a wood-fired oven uh, 99.9% of the time. Uh, It's a very thin dough. Uh, It's much like a Lebanese bread or a pita bread. When it's when it's when it's cooked, it it gets really big. Uh, It cooks in a minute and a half, just like a pizza. Um, and it was invented in the 17th century, or so poetically and romantic the French like to think, uh, by the uh, the bakers to test their ovens. They'd throw a small piece of uh, dough in there and see how it reacted before they took all the embers out. And one day somebody threw a very flat piece of bread in there and they noticed it, that it blew up like a little balloon. And there, from there was born the fouet. We know that in France was... France colonized and France also had a lot of visits from the Arabs, from the Turkish, from, from the Indians. And they all have uh, something very similar to what you call the fouet today. Are there other names for, for a fouet? A fouet can also be called a foisse. And foisse, uh, there's a bit of controversy on that, but it makes a lot of sense. Foisse began de fuoco, Latin, which means fire, and it means something cooked in a fire, uh, in front of a fire. Uh, but the consensus is fouet. And foisse, normalement, is something that is has a lot of uh, white bread in it and it's uh, usually, um, uh, it's not savoury, it's usually sweet. Made with milk and not water. And then there's also the, the fougasse. So in some places they would call it a fougasse as, as well. I always no, thought the fougasse was a... Le fougasse. The yes, fougasse. that's it. The fougasse is like a focaccia type bread. The French a focaccia. Now, a focaccia, you you put your ingredients before you cook it, and then you put it in the oven. Or where the fouet, you cook it first, then you cut one side open, and you put your ingredients inside it. Great. Okay, so how did you get into making um, these flatbreads? 
Well, where I live, which is in uh, in uh, Gen Val de Loire, I live not long, not far from a flour mill. Mr. Loriot, who, who is the the owner of the flour mill, he's been doing this for 25 years, selling fouet on uh, with, with with a with a truck or with a with a with a, a trailer with an oven in there, and uh, they were looking for people who knew how to how to work a wood fired oven. You just don't wake up in the morning and know how to work a wood fired oven, especially when there's so many different ones. Uh, and I I answered to the to the to the call for four and a half years ago now and been doing that ever since and I love it. How many of these have you do you think you've made? Oh uh at least half a million. Half a million. Well you, I, I do about hundred and thirty parties a, a year with an average of thousand five hundred fwe every time. Multiply that by four, you'll get a fair few fwe out of there, yeah. <laughs> and um, do you dream about making them then? No, I used to, just the way I work, I like to, I like what I know what I'm doing and know how to do it perfectly. The idea to make a good fwe is that the thickness has to be right. And since you're rolling out more than four kilos of, uh, of dough at a time, it works out to about a metre and a half by a metre. It has to be all the same thickness for for it to all be useful. So I like to get it all right. And, yeah, at the beginning it was like that. Now I just I love it. And is it something that's made at home by the French in the south? Uh, in the, in the south, it's a southwest, right? It's more of a west, west, central west. Western, yeah. So did the French, would the French be making it at home or is it something that they go out for you? Well, in France, there were before there were bakers, there used to be communal ovens. Where you'd go and, and cook your oven, and well, there are bakers. There was a baker who'd accommodate your dough. It wasn't usually him that made the dough for you, even though he'd make some for the for the community. Um, but without a wood-fired oven at home, it's very difficult to make a fwe, unless you have a very very hot oven at three hundred and fifty to four hundred degrees, and uh, a good stone to put the fwe on. What's actually in it? There's nothing in it. it, it it's you, you can put in it pulled pork, uh, garlic butter. Uh, Mojet, which is a white bean, uh, typical of the region. This all the all the things I'm telling you is the things that come from the region I I live in. The fue is only in this area. It's not even at, uh, much outside it. It's probably a 50 kilometer radius where the fue is made. So what I meant was, um, what's what is actually in the fue when you make it? Like it is, uh, it's flour. It's flour, um, water, salt, and yeast. That's it. That's it. That's it. Okay. And does it have to sit overnight? No, or it, it, takes like about, it needs about two hours. Needs about two hours of uh, of, of rising, uh, of proofing. Uh, after that, the time it's I put the dough in my truck and I go to where I'm going. Sometimes an hour and a half distance, it has time to to grow. Then when I get when I get there, that's when I roll it all out in front of the customer. We don't do that at work. I like we like to do that in front of the customers. It's 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 nice to see. And there it sits another half hour, the time that my oven heats up, which takes usually an hour and a half. And then we stay three hours uh, at the party or whatever it may be to serve the people. 
Right. So now you actually do have a, a truck that has a wood-fired oven on it then. Yes, all our trucks are wood-fired ovens, all of them. Amazing. So are you – okay, I've got to get my head around this. Are you? Do you light the fire when you get to the event or do you light the fire before you leave? And does that mean that you're travelling up the highway with a fire? Yeah, how does that work? You can't travel with a <laughs> fire because just practically it will go out because you have to close whatever you've got your, your fire in, otherwise – all your embers just fly out the, the, the truck. And since it's closed, it's not getting any oxygen, so it'll stifle. It'll go out, okay? Uh, when, I get, uh, when I get there, I put my wood in, I light her up. It takes uh, an hour and a half, depending on the size of the oven I've got, sometimes two hours if I've got the, the big oven, uh, sometimes only 45 minutes if I've got the very small oven. So an average of about an hour, an hour and a half to heat it up. In the meantime, I'm rolling out my, my pastry. In the meantime, the customers are doing what they're doing. And then after two hours, I serve them. I serve them to eat. Would you like to support the making of fabulously delicious? Then there are many ways that you can do this, and one of those ways is through Patreon. The link for which is in the show notes for this episode. For as little as the price of a cup of coffee a month, you will receive exclusive content just for you. It's a great way that you can support me and the podcast, and so that I can bring you more fabulous French foodies. So please head on over to Patreon. Merci beaucoup. So getting back to that then, what you actually do eat with the fouet, um, are you actually, do you actually make things in the wood-fired oven? No. To serve with the fouet? No? It's just for the fouet? I have got one thing that I hate in the oven, which is a rio, which is a lard that they eat here, uh, pork. Uh, that I heat and roast in the oven because it gives it that nice woody fat flavour. Mm, I can imagine. And so what else, yes, what else do you have? Uh, when you to put into this uh, this fouet. Okay, traditionally the fouet has pulled pork, rio, the mojette, which is the white bean, uh, the beurre persillé, which is the same butter they put in the escargot, in the snails. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And uh, the, is that the soup de pisto aussi? Mm-hmm. It's like a um, a base, like a like a pesto. Is that right? No, it's butter, it butter and uh, and parsley and garlic. Salted butter garlic. It's like our it's like our garlic bread, if you like. Only just add a bit of uh, parsley to it. It's the same thing, uh, right? You've got uh, chocolate spread, Nutella, if you like. Uh, caramel beurre salé, which is salted caramel made from that we make ourselves. Um, you can put anything in a fouet. Those are the main ingredients, which is from the region. And after that, anything you want to put in the fouet is okay. Anything. Right, so can I have escargot? Why would you want to put a snail in a fouet? If you you can, <laughs> but uh, why not? Why not? I like that. Why would you want to? Have you become the master of the wood-fired oven then now? I feel very comfortable in front of just about any wood-fired oven. At first, it wasn't easy to go from one oven to another, but then you start understanding how the heat translates. Each oven is higher or lower. Uh, larger or narrower, the, the the entry may be smaller or larger, which means it gets more oxygen, more air, more cold. Uh, each oven has its way of working, um, and yeah, I love I love discovering a new oven. It's a, it's always a challenge. Are people building wood-fired ovens in their backyards to to be able to cook the fouet or other types of dishes? People do build wood-fired ovens, and I've noticed that a lot here. Uh, they build big wood-fired ovens, which is always a big mistake. 
Um, well, yeah. <laughs> Why is that? Because you, you you spend an hour and a half heating an oven, you're going to cook two pizzas in in exactly three minutes. Uh, you're using a lot of wood, you're, and it's just a waste of space. And, and get it, build an oven where you can cook at the very most two pizzas in. If you can build an oven and only cook one, even better. Because your pizza is going to cook in three minutes. So you build that small, a smaller oven to go next to your barbecue, and then, okay, that's a good idea. All right, well, we'll have to take you up on that tip. Um, do you build the wood-fired ovens? Can I get you to come up here to Montmorillon and build me a wood-fired oven? oven? There are there are kit ovens here in France. Uh, you don't want to build your oven from scratch. That that means that you go out and buy your your, your brick, you go out and buy everything. You really don't want to do that. It's a lot of work and it's a lot of know-how to build your own oven from scratch, uh, depending on what type of cement you do. And then there's the curing. The curing is a big part. The ones you buy in kit have been pre-cured. The pieces have been pre-cured. Uh, and you, it's a lot less time and a lot safer. Your oven won't crack everywhere. Borders and everything's opening up now. Tourists, especially Americans now, can come to France. Uh, if we want to go and have a fui and the best one, where should we go to do that? Well, you should come to our restaurant already at the Aubergade de Gênes. Uh, but any, just about any place in the strict 30-kilometre area around Saumur will make you excellent fouet because they all know how to make them properly. Then. Aside from knowing how to make a fouet, it's the flour that counts. Why? What's so important about the flour? Well, most people will make a fouet with, with your white, very, very much processed flour, which is a T45 here or a T55. Uh, in Australia, they, they grade their flour by protein um, quantity. Here in France, they grade it by the amount of ash that's left when you burn 100 grams of it. And that amount of ash that's left, it tells you how, how complete your, your flour is. So a T45, which is your very white flour, compared to a T150, which is like a very full grainy brown flour, uh, very not processed, uh, processed as much. And we use a T80, which is a semi-complete, which is a semi-complete flour. And so what's that going to do in the difference? Is that going to help it rise or what is it? it? It'll change the way you work it. Your T8 will be more elastic than a T45 because of much more gluten and protein that it has in it. That's what reacts with your yeast, which then becomes a semi-bacteria. Uh, but your a T80 will mean it takes a bit more water and the flavour is a lot tastier in the mouth it's not that bland you don't have to put as much salt in a t80 that you would in a t45 to get to, to, to bring out the taste we talked about terroir with uh, preston moore when we we're talking about the wines in burgundy and other areas etc and there's a lot of the french talk about terroir when there's like wine and food do you think then with the ingredients that go into the is there is there something about where the flour is coming from or you know, the environment that you're in that makes it different? Well, there are, there's, there's a lot of grain, wheat grown in the area, a lot of wheat, alongside all the vineyards as well. So has it got a report between one of the others? Yeah, we, we could say it has. I doubt it. I doubt it because, uh, well, every bread maker, every baker I know loves his wine, so maybe that's uh, something. <laughs> yep, okay. 
It's amazing that so many countries around the world have flatbread and we all know of them. We know of, uh, you know, uh, naan in um, uh, in India. There's the... Um, pita. Well, there's flatbreads. All at pita, exactly. Thank you for that. Um, flatbreads. I've lost all my flatbreads. Um, and uh, it's like I lose my English and my French at the same time. But there are flatbreads all around the world um, that people know, but very few people know of the fui. Why is this? That's a mystery. I have people, I've done parties not more than 50 kilometres from where we always have parties and people have no clue. It's born and bred in the area. It's just a very niche sort of uh, thing, but everyone that's tried them without fail has absolutely adored them because it's so, it's so you, you're eating, it's a finger food. It's not something you eat sitting down. Uh, you can, of course, but it's not. You, you, fill, you fill your ingredients up there at the table where you pick up your fuer and you eat it while you're talking to people, and that's what people love about it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of our summer series of Fabulously Delicious. Next week, we're going to revisit the wonderful chat that I had with a fabulous French chef living in Australia, Monsieur Gabriel Gattay. So come, join me on Fabulously Delicious, the French food podcast. And as I always say, remember, whatever you do, do it fabulously. Bon app. Hello. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book, and together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts.